We've got GSP versus Carlos Conant, Johnny the Big Rig Hendricks versus Martin Kopman, which means it is time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting way easier from outside of the time cage. I am your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raf Esparza. Raf, how are you doing this evening? I, I'm good. Explain to everybody what you're doing because they might have felt like they did a download all episodes thing and got very confused as to where they are. We are officially announcing a, a closure of a verbal tap chapter in our decade lives. Great news. Like any good detour, I'm going to point you towards the best coverage show in the business about grappling and MMA. It exists. And Raf hosts it. Bad news, the show, as you have come to love and follow, will be ending. I am obviously staring at UFC 154, which, as Raf is well aware, because he's got a freak brain, and it's not fun to do these little cute <laughs> games where it's like, do you remember why, Raf? I'd be talking about that. He remembers. It was the first card that we ever talked about on air. It took us a mere three hours to get done and another three to edit out blanks and weirdness. And if you listen to it to this day, it sounds like we are recording it in a different planet. That doesn't mean it ain't great, Raph. That's why. Plus, I didn't necessarily see all of the fights. I saw some. We can get to that. And you know what? I'm glad that we can admit these things now. We were pretty good about... Uh, watching and doing most of our homework as hosts. But every so often, it became uh, a little bit of homework for one of us at a time. I'm not saying it was always Kevin, because every once in a while, I would have to call Kevin and be like, I didn't watch the fights. And it would be a weird, mm, please tell me you did, sort of uh, pleading and begging. And Ain't nobody made of money. When Alistair Overeem and Antonio Silva were squaring off at 156 just before Rashad Evans took on Big Nog. Uh, wait, Little Nog. Which one was Antonio Nogueira? Is he big or little? He's, he's a Nog. He's a big person. He's a Nog. And that That's is their a Nog. brother. Everybody knows that so one. So regardless, he's a Nog. And then Jose Aldo beat the shit out of Frankie Edgar. And the symmetry there, Raph, is uh, great because Frankie Edgar... Well, he lost the fight that he fought yeah. in this last weekend, which is fair because if you and I were to get into another fight right now, I do believe we would lose much like Frankie Edgar. It was sad, Kevin. It was very sad. And for this main reason, which is that they showed his family right before they said he was not, in the octagon. Not a good sign. And you go, no, <laughs> don't show the family. No, no, <laughs> no, no, show no, no, the no. Family. Show the mistress. Show my yep. show. That's the show. My prostitute. I paid to be here. Please don't show my loving wife and children. It's a bad and side. Kev, I, I kid you not. You can't write these things. If it you thought it said smash cut to Frankie Edgar dying a noble death. It was like Frankie. And then narrator comes on. And Frankie Edgar's like, I won the fight. Narrator's voice. <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> so that was depressing. Um, okay, so here's what we have to figure out. There's obviously a card that other shows have kind of talked about. So we're going to do a mix and we're going to jump around because I'm sure some of you may think because this is a comedy podcast, we're sprinkling this in as like a eh, we're kind of ending as like a way to keep you for the entire episode. And that is not necessarily what's happening here. Uh, yes, we want you to stick around. 
yes, we will sprinkle in explanations here and there. So, Kevin, I guess we should say, what are some of the reasons why we are going to go ahead and wrap a bow on Verbal Tap as most people know it? Do we start there? Or do we start with how did you know <laughs> Pereira was going to win? We got we've got weird shit to get to tonight, including why you didn't tell me to gamble on some. Anyway, let's start with the reasons. Yeah. Okay. First of all, coming up on a decade, and Raph, let's just be clear, would do a show forever. Raph will make time if it's like between one a.m. and one thirty a.m. and we're doing a record. He's good. He's like an all night radio station. I am in week eight of a shoulder recovery that's going to keep me out of grappling for a bit. Um, I will most likely not be able to make a return. So it's uh, truthfully me losing a little bit of the passion and the drive on that front and wanting to focus some energy in some, some different directions while I'm trying to get healed. Like, officially healed. Because it's been a... Uh, this was surgery number six for me, Raph. Not jujitsu's fault, by the way. I want to be clear. I'm not an MMA fighter. We're talking like appendix, <laughs> weird hand disease... Uh, a knee thing twice that was jujitsu's fault and now the shoulder which was uh, a pre-existing but jujitsu exacerbated either way i really want to be able to pick up my baby so there's my like two cents on the honesty of why we're uh starting to kick out here at 10 years and kevin was nice enough to indulge 10 sounds good 10 sounds about right for the length of a show, it means that we had a lengthy run. Uh, there was no real fights. Kevin and I have plans to already do something else. So we're working on that stuff now. Should and we, that's an actual that, fun Damn it, thing. that would have been the good drama. Would have yeah, been like, find true. out if it's, do we hate each other? We're not telling you that till the end. You're not going to be able to fucking tell tonight. I, you know what the worst now part is? Now when we get Kevin. to who owes Matthew Perry's book to who, that's for sure. <laughs> I think that most of the people listening... I think they can kind of tell that even if you were bored with the fights, you weren't bored with talking to someone that you enjoy. It's just it becomes tedious if you're like, I didn't watch five in a row. Should we still be doing this? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, we should, because, you know, Kevin has a very good interpretation of what the events are. And he mentions he's like, you would do this forever. And I'm like, that's true. But I have always, always said we will stop doing the show if it is not fun. And it became clear that for Kevin, you know, recovering, wanting to train, not being able to train, training on and off, having a kid. There's a lot of things that you realize, oh, I would much rather Kevin be happy and, and do what he wants to do and maybe do a different project with him then stick on this path and and do this. So that is the hard part on my side, which is, mm, you know what? There's no reason to try and tell him what he needs to do. It's like, well, yeah, I'll show up, but it is not as fun with somebody who wants to train, wants to be better, and wants to be better for their kids. So you, you hear those things very quickly, and you kind of understand where you're coming from. So I think most people would get that. Even if they were trying to figure out, they're like, what did Raph say behind the scenes? He must have said something. It had to be. Sex scandal with Verbal Tap Legal. We'll get to that later. Yep. We've got an yep. M.A. Adoku situation. How the did you know Adesanya was going to lose? I told you, man. I, and 
It, so okay, do better. Remember, and I I know you told me. That's why I'm screaming at you right now. I just want to make sure it, there was the you called it before the paint came out before he showed up looking like one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies yes. bosses before he showed up looking intense as fuck. You did think he was going to win the fight. Yes, and I think it had to do with the way that both of their fight styles work. And Izzy is a very high-level striker, and as you saw in that fight this past weekend, it's really difficult for him to do some of his magic tricks of somebody who also is skilled at kickboxing. So he didn't have that advantage. Then it becomes, well, how do you use your wrestling and jiu-jitsu? And for both of these guys, mm, mm, okay, not too much of that, but enough to kind of make some transitions happen. And what I'm telling you, Kevin, is, is as I watched this, there was a lot of me going, Man, Izzy's putting up a good, good fight. He was ahead three to one on the judges' scorecards until the last round where mm, it turns out if you kick somebody in the leg long enough, it will affect their leg. I've heard the that. point where he ended up having to what he called uh, stop, drop, and roll kind of a thing. <laughs> he, he said he wobbled around and he did a backflip and then all of a sudden – you see Alex smell the blood in the water, knowing he needs a knockout, knowing that his corner gave him a rocky, inspirational type speech. And he really rose to the occasion. So it was a great fight. Kev. I can't say that enough. That's one of the bigger upsets we've had, and not necessarily on the books, just from a dominance perspective. Izzy is as dominant and frequent a title defender as there exists in the UFC. There was, and we'll talk, I guess, I mean, it's a big one. It's in the fifth round. You mentioned the speech. There's been a lot of talk, and I don't know how much of it's revisionist history after the fact when people were like, you know, Izzy looked a little rattled at weigh-ins. It's like, Diddy, (laughs) would you have said that if he won? Would you have been like, you know, I'm surprised he won. Looked rattled at weigh-ins. Or do you wait until after? So I, some of that is all a, a grain of salt. So I was curious if you put any stock into that as someone who was already seeing this in a way that was a little different than everybody else was. I just, again, it comes down to their fight styles. Um, Izzy is amazing at what he does. He's still a really good fighter. And to his credit, definitely showed up at the post-presser in what looked like a fur coat that was made out of Aslan. Good. <laughs> I want it to be a fur coat that looks like it was made out of Dalmatians. I'd have a win-loss and a loss jacket. Like if I had the win- a win jacket and a loss jacket. So if I won, I'd look fluffy and magnetic. If I lost, I'd just look evil and pissed. He just comes out. He's essentially Cruella DeVille. He gets the theme song as he saunters out. No, I, I mean, he gave a good press conference. And Joe Rogan said that it was uh, handled like a champ. He went out there and didn't make any excuses. Although if you hear uh, Alex Perea explain anything, he said he's made plenty of excuses. In my view, I thought Izzy did it as well as you could. And I agree. I don't know where all these other people do, but I think they got to the point where Izzy is very articulate to the things he does right and wrong. And I think that people don't like that braggadociousness about him. They're like, well, now you didn't win, so you you know, you know, can't be like that. In my opinion, he didn't really make excuses. He just kind of said, 
I'm going to go after this guy again. I, I almost had it. I felt it. And it was a great fight. And you can't deny that. What I can tell you, though, is uh, it's it's rough to watch that happen because he was so close. That fifth round comeback. It was so amazing to watch. We had the fight companion over at Milton's. And all of us were on the edge of our seats. We were complimenting both sets of fighters. Alex made some incredible improvements. It's really incredible to see how quickly this dude became a champion in the UFC. The one thing that does become a little suspect, and I did say this last week, which was, oh, if Izzy loses, it does open up the division a little bit. So now you have Chimev who's chiming in and saying like, ooh, you know who has wrestling? I do. And I'm kind of hard to put away. So I think I deserve a shot. It's very interesting to see who will come through. And uh, Perea, if you looked at him, Kevin, <clears throat> if you tried to make any sense of him fighting in a, a division, you would have swore he was a 205er. Swore it up and down on whatever atheist Bible you might pull out uh, when they say, do you swear on the Bible? Which, by the way, First is a of very... It's tough to find. <laughs> Which, by the way, it's a very funny concept. I've always wondered about this as a kid. When they make you swear on a Bible and you're an atheist, I go, what does that do? We use The Economist, if we can oh, find okay. it, or um, anything by uh, Noam Chomsky also works unofficially. Because every time that happens, I always thought that it should be accompanied by a, oh, yeah, I do, a wink. You know who else showed perseverance in a pretty tough loss? Mm. Carlos Condit. Uh, facing against GSP. Mm. You know, when yeah. you're going up against the champ, that's a tough one. There was maybe 30 minutes of you talking about how Carlos Condit won that fight that we may have edited <laughs> out of that broadcast. It's, it's Most of it's still there. And when I've gone back to listen to that episode a couple times, just to kind of see how far we've come. And it really isn't that far if you think about it. But the, the couple times that I have heard myself talk to you, there is a little bit of me trying to temper your anger and saying, I don't know, Kev, I thought GSP did a pretty good job. And you're like, where? Show me where he did the good job. Carlos Condit won that fight. I go, I, mm, no. Uh, myself and all of the judges' cards would disagree especially the ones that said 50-45. There were two of them. But still love the Carlos Condit. Well, I think back to episodes like when we spoke with Stuart Cooper or mm -hmm. Amici Akpom back-to-back weeks, which were always fun. There's some Eric Jackman coming up on that, some Cody Bollinger, some Diego Lima, and rounding it out with a Tim Means, Joey Coco Diaz. Well, well, the Joey action raff, and they all agreed with me. Carlos got screwed on that fight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we asked about that. We asked everyone like, for a hundred fights, and guess that is like years have passed at that point. I'm just clipping right through. Yeah, in the eight minutes we had Carlos Condit on the show for our fiftieth episode, we definitely made sure to be like, "You got robbed." When in actuality, we had his press guy on the other side of that conversation, ready to hang up on any given incorrect question we could have asked him. Yeah, if you thought the service was bad, 
wait till Oof. we have to call through whatever phone service that horrible. Oh, <laughs> they've uh, thank God they've gotten better at that. Mm. Yeah, we've got some Rafael Lovato Jr., some Gilbert Jamal Smith. I should go see him out here in Colorado. Some Joe knows Wilk. I'm uh, just running down the early years here, Raph, of people. Mm-hmm. Travis Conley, Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, cool. In mm-hmm. March 3rd, 2016 is when we start uh, talking shit on Conor McGregor publicly. Yeah. <laughs> Which always feels good. Oh, this is a good one before we snap back to reality. Verbal Tap, GSP, Meta Morris, and 209, the meme game. Mm. You gotta wonder what that episode was about. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna guess some fun stuff. And let's get back to, you know, another reason. Raph, you and I have uh, put a lot of effort, a lot of time into this. We're talking about maybe putting some effort and time to something else. You can blame Joe Rogan. He took all the money that yeah. people use to sponsor. So unofficial reason, but I do think it's worth calling out, you know. Go call Uncle Uncle <laughs> Jogan. Be like, hey, can you start some sort of for the arts program? We don't have any NPR funding. NPR doesn't have any of my podcasts. We tried. They're not interested. Mm. They were worried about yeah, I mean, some of our analysis. I think there is a very clear uh, understanding that most of the people in MMA are a little more lean to the right sort of a vibe. And we've understood that, and that's fine. You know, hey, listen, this week, Kevin and I were able to laugh at one of the funniest reviews we've ever been left as we start to to pack this up. And, you know, the weird part is, I want to be very clear, this review is not the thing that signed us over to going, we should pack it in. In fact, if anything, it almost prompted us to be like, you want 40 more years of this fucking dog jitsu? <laughs> Because I want to point out, this is how we've dealt with things over the years. Those of you have, who have ridden with us all these years, we appreciate you. And we know that you laugh at people like this when they go, was liking the podcast. You guys need to educate on. You guys need to educate on guns and gun laws in general. Don't talk about something until you know the details about it. One star. Now. Kev, when was the last time we talked about guns on this show? Uh, probably in the wake of one of the larger last mass shootings that happened, and probably about seven or eight ago. Okay, okay. So uh, I always six like to, months, a year. I like to tell people it, within the scope of a news cycle, maybe we talk about it once or twice, and it it's usually one of disgust of, hey, yeah, it kind of sucks that people died. It'd be nice if there were some common sense reforms. No big deal. And yet this snowflake, this person on the right side, if you would, basically felt the need to tell us, like, you guys were doing a pretty good job until you brought up this Mm, one star. I'll show you guys. And it makes me just laugh to the point where I send it to Kevin. He laughs and I say, well, we haven't lost our touch. No. Or our ability to put gun people back in a place of somehow defensiveness. I believe in one of the episodes of Archived Ice Cream, we should make grenade launchers legal. And then was quickly rebuttaled by, but wouldn't that be dangerous? Yes! God! Always fun. 
But it is great when they say educate yourself on gun laws and you go all zero of them. Yeah, I was like, that's not hard. We don't have any. We just got rid of them. Guns okay. people too now. They don't, but somehow tax exempt, which is, I'm jealous. Anyway, the nice part for you guys if is. If Republicans cared about RAF or I the way they care about AR-15s, <laughs> we might, might have an active commuter rail system in our cities. That's just, I don't, I'm not saying it's a fact. I'm just winking back at NPR to tell them we do cover these types of tough con- concepts. Yes. Now, let's let's jump back to this past weekend. Carlos Sparza yeah. and Zhang. If you pick up, is this the lesson? If mm. somebody picks up Francis Ngannou that's fighting that weekend, they're definitely going to win. This is a bet I won. Yeah, you did win that one. The odds sucked because we were all but- over Zhang. We should also be very clear that I had to commit to Carla based on last name appeal. And there might be, it's not even that you are related. It's that Raph's family Mm. just takes it personally. Like, oh, you, what is it? Like, she doesn't have our last name. It's just, it's hard to explain. And also we can't prove that I'm not related. We have no papers that say they're not related. We wish we did. I'm going to go on one of those, uh, who are you really kind of family tree shows. As far as me. me. Yeah. And uh, they're basically going to tell me, they're like, oh, you were related to Carla this whole time. I'd be like, oh, shit. We've never talked about that in person. Eek. Maybe we should have. I went on that on name only. I was very happy for Zhang. But Kev, you know this all too well, where when you play over under Kevin, there is a slight moment where you carry some of those picks. And I knew that I had to do it. I knew I had to pick her just based on namesake alone. But on air, and I'll see if I can find the clip for you, but she loses, and I go, that's not good for me. And <laughs> normally, I don't ever have to say that, but because there was the hidden implication of, eh, yeah, I did that this week. Normally, I don't do that on the show, or I don't have to commit publicly to somebody who has a similar last name, but there you had it. But I, I definitely laughed really hard when I go, oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm sad for her. That's really sad, but I'm sad for my picks. Well, uh, moving on to some of those other picks. We already yes. spoiled that Frankie Edgar gets need. Don't worry. You knew that was going to happen no matter what. So <laughs> they, It was like they were reading his obituary as they walked yeah. him in there. No one was happy about the coverage, but they do this. It's how you know, and the odds in Vegas reflected it. But right above that, one of my favorite things happened that can happen, and that's Dustin the Diamond Poirier refuses Raph emphatically to get knocked out twice in a row or finished or beaten or decisioned out. Doesn't matter. It's never happened twice in a row. Didn't happen again. He chokes out. I mean, he knocks out Michael Chandler and then kind of chokes him out as always. I love those, by the way. I think there should be a different designation if you've dazed them. Yes. Like a, like a dazed and choke confused title. I'll work on it for whatever we do next. Yeah. That's let, I'll one. let grappling hour know. I'll write grappling hour when it's time to <laughs> unveil oh, what the is, name so of the stupid thing is. But Dustin Poirier wins. Do we get uh, ownership of verbal tap legal? at uh grappling hour because i could use a general counsel and i'm just not sure if they're up for the job you definitely get rebecca yeah you heard it you heard me verbal tab legal thanks I'm rebecca keep, i'm keeping steve 
Oh, all right. Well, Steve did most of the paperwork, but Rebecca's <laughs> the better argumentation side. So that works. That's fine. I, you know what the worst part is? I like that you're like, I'm keeping Steve. What does Steve do? I don't know. I don't need to know because I don't have to do this anymore. So Steve's just going to, you know, show up at my place and do my taxes. No, I don't correspondence. know. I need to send some Christmas cards at some point. <laughs> if Kevin takes all personal belongings, he's basically going to start taking like some of the stationery and paperwork just so that he can have that. Uh, yeah. So let me say this. The I Dustin Poirier fight. Don't think I didn't rewatch the Friends <laughs> finale just for this i'd have taken a couch or a espresso machine or gunther <laughs> um we should say this the poirier and chandler fight was fire obviously one of those match of the year kind of fights you, you got exactly what you wanted out of it dustin poirier looks good michael chandler looks good there's somebody blowing uh blood snot into the other person's face it, it was super gross but it was amazing and dustin poirier getting the wind felt right and uh yeah what a fucking fight kev when this comes on for free on your espn plus in about uh, a month maybe even over the holidays maybe they'll do it quicker because it's the end of the year watch that one it's fucking it's tense yeah i saw a good chunk of it too they had a nice embrace afterwards which is good this is one of the very few they released some clips of they had no choice they were like this fight was too awesome here you go uh, Hooker hurt us, obviously, and this is where I'm going to stop and give, okay, from Hooker up to Izzy, every one of these fights ends. No decision. Yes. Sweep. And the undercard is like this, except for three fights, four fights. And I, so that would, we really have to blame Reyes and Span. Technic oh, I'm sorry. Wait, hold on. KOTKO. Where's the only decision? Okay, here's the decision. So we have to blame Petrovsky, whom we both picked. He's the first person to get a decision of three entire decisions. Does Dana White fire everyone that ended a decision in this? All six fires. Let's hope so. Just to send a message. Be like, I was so close to a perfect card. <laughs> yeah. So Petrovsky. Anyway, Hooker wins. It says via kick. Yeah, body kick. Well, that's uh, Johnny Hendricks won via body punch to Martin <laughs> Combs. <laughs> also on this fight, I want to mention some people. Rafael Dos Anjos. Mm. Yep. Tom Lawler. Yep. Now Francis a professional Carmel, wrestler. Pablo Garza versus Mark Hominick. I think that was the last fight for either of them in the US. Patrick Cote. Yep. We've got John McDessie versus Sam Stout. Rodrigo Dam. You and I love that last name. We have fighting first on the card, Darren Elkins versus Steven Sealer. Yep. And don't forget, Matthew Riddle was there, also now a professional wrestler, which is insane to see both him and Tom Lawler going to their real calling. Mm -hmm. Time to get in the game. Raph, what mm. other fights? Uh, I guess let's keep going down the line. Do we want to talk about? I, yeah, I'll, I was I'll walk you down. pissed about Reyes losing, <laughs> by the way, that one I saw. I was just screaming at the television for no reason. People were like, what's wrong? I was like, that? I needed that one. That was one of the ones we disagreed on. 
Yeah, Dom Reyes. That that was a little hard to see, but it, you know, called out by Dana after too. Always nice. Yeah. Thanks, Dana, for calling me out after getting knocked out. Sorry. Uh, Moicano also yelled a lot after his submission win over Brad Rydell, who basically, after losing, said, "Yeah, you know what? I'm going to take some time off, y'all. Fighting be hard." So I thought that Brad Rydell essentially took the. Uh, the press release that we were going to say about us starting to wrap this up, which is fighting be hard. Y'all we'll see you around. <laughs> That's not a bad way to wrap it. It's like, what's the actual reason? Uh, fighting be hard. Raph gets it. <laughs> Blanche. Just, oh, go ahead. Blanchfield was great with the Kimura where she wasn't sure that Molly McCann was going to tap to, but Molly McCann turned the color of a meatball. Uh, and yes, Blanchfield, friend of the show, does get the submission win, but man, it was uh, it was good. I mean, uh, Aaron Blanchfield definitely put on for jiu-jitsu, where even my jiu-jitsu students in attendance were like, wow, isn't that good? And I was like, oh yeah, we kind of know her. And they were like, that's dope. And I was like, yeah, she's a gamer. She's we really fucking her. good. That's for effing sure. That is true. Uh, Petrovsky, not going to talk about this fight for two seconds. I'm yeah. just kidding. Do you want to talk about this? What you say? No, that one's okay. Shit for uh, the I mean, de- the decision, the the beef Wellingtonness of it all. I think we're good. Uh, Matt Frivola with a KO punch. Oh, was really how bad do we both feel for taking Azatar after I, I, when there Frivola was some comes swinging in with his wings wide open? There was definitely some regret, especially as I was setting up in the uh, gym for that to go on. And I look up and I go, ugh, yeah, didn't love that. But uh, Carolina picking up a win. That was nice. Uh, it is very also nice when you see a little bit later, there's a Twitter account for now while Twitter exists. If you listen to this in the future, it may not. Not sure. But <laughs> there is a Twitter thing. account that basically tells you when a fighter is no longer on the UFC's homepage, which is their way of saying they got cut. Uh, very promptly after that fight, Silvana Gomez Juarez was very quickly X'd off of the UFC's roster list. That's brutal. Yeah. And in a sad moment, uh, it looked like Michael Trezano, uh, struck one for the fat people. Oh, I was just going to (laughs) say that was one of, uh, very few, Yep. victories on and off the fat person court. Yeah, but congratulations to him. It was kind of a chaotic fight as well, especially for the prelims. So very happy to see that. And also, I had to put up with commentary while I was setting up there. And for a split second, I thought maybe this will be better. It was not, Kevin. It was so bad. It was so aggravating. It's, bad it's every just time. I try every time to give him a little bit of leeway and every time I hear someone doing something stupid and I think about this time could be wrong. It was Joe Rogan going on about tie cups again. And I thought for the love of God, you've had so much time to talk about this. You have a podcast, sir. You have the time you've done it multiple times on this broadcast. We don't need it. And you know what? Please don't do it again. I can't not think of it. When I, I see someone's anything, I see a cup, I see a thong, I see whatever. I'm like, 
Joe Rogan would either be excited by this or not excited by this. That shouldn't be in my psyche, Joe. And you know what? Break one out. Show us you in a tie thong, dickhead. Otherwise, I don't want to hear about it. You and Dana hanging out at the bar. This is what we're talking about. That's helpful. Yeah. I like my feistiness there. It's a great You idea. are a little feisty. Uh, <laughs> though, uh, Montel Jordan picking yeah, up a win. That arse. was fun. I was brutal for people that like uh, the British version of ass pronounced. And then Carlos Ulberg. Uh, this was actually a very exciting fight for our kickboxing crew over at Milton's. Because Milton, uh, you know, he texted me. He's like, dude, I'm so excited for this first fight. Now, I should actually break here. I want to take a, a quick journey on this one. So Milton thought it would be a good idea for the fight crew on a fight night to go to all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue. Whoa. He very nicely invited me and said, hey, do you want to come? And I go, if I'm going to be on air, I cannot have all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue. I, I don't He's have like, that much self-control. Yeah, because you tell me all you can eat, and I will, but that's not control to do a broadcast. Also, I'll be on air. So when they come back from it, I explain to them, Kevin, and I think this is where you'll understand my pain. I go, yeah, I'm really happy you guys invited me. It was very nice. I wanted to set up, but I would have taken time off had it been any other day. But I can't be on air like that. I don't want to break out into the meat sweats. And they all stare at me and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I go, oh, my God, you're all skinny people. Shit. Yeah. What the fuck? How do you not know what meat sweats are? And they're like, I mm, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And I go, it's exactly how it sounds. I don't know how to define it for you other than you're sweating meat because you ate so much of it. And they go, mm, 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 no. I then tell my them. My body like, just stops. It's like, I'm going to hurt you. Yeah. And I tell them, I'm like. You do understand when I've come home from Korean barbecue with all y'all, I go to greet Kelly and she's like, nope, go take a shower. Gross. No, thanks. So, yeah, dude, it's just you may not know that it is on you, but that smell of Korean barbecue will be on you for a bit, even if you do not think it is. So I definitely uh, found myself being the fattest person in the room Mm -hmm. having to explain to I'll just say it. Civilians, when it comes to food, they are civilians. I, I do not take their food seriously. They need but, to hear Prince's song, Portion Control, which is <laughs> where Raph and I need. It has to be plated out. Otherwise, we're just going to eat so much our body starts to reject the moisture. Yes, and, and I hope that they don't hear the radio edit of Portion Control. Same, same. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, please listen to the raw version. The way Prince intended it. Thank you. I have amazing news, Raph. To say, I'm worried at times we haven't made enough of an impact, but I know we have, and I'm about to tell you why. Okay, please. You can now get the UFC BMF replica belt on, oh, no. on Amazon for seven fifty six fifty. Holy fucking shit. For a depreciation <laughs> value. Of $43.50. So don't say we didn't do anything for you. You know, I think that's as good a sign as any that our our work is coming to a close. I can't do math at all. $756.50. Make that minus. uh, That is almost $100. That is minus $93.50. 
There you go. Wow. Kev, this is like us getting legislation through. This is us having a real celebration moment. Mark down 11%, Raph. We mm. did that during we did. inflation. We did. So it's really 11 plus 15%, which we put money up. back into your pockets. 36% everybody. more money back into your pocket. Now, granted, you paid another 12% of that back to ESPN Plus. Probably 15% of that to Fight Pass, if you even remember, you still have it. And let's just say the cost of pay-per-views will go up another $5 in a year. So enjoy it while you can. It's already gone. It was spent. You didn't know it. But you're welcome, and we never stop fighting for you. We've been on this corner since Jump Street. Ridiculous price. <laughs> and the market has found us and agreed. Who knows what it'll be in another few years thanks to the tireless work we've been doing. When we reboot this show in 10 years, I'm sure they will be giving you a complimentary BMF belt for your $10,000 subscription to ESPN+. Plus. At that point, they better pay me $40 to accept it. <laughs> it's just, It's not worth the postage they said with it. That's going to be great. Yeah. I am, I am in awe that that belt still exists. You know what it was, Kev? I'll say it right now. I think what happened is they heard we were finishing. They go, oh, shit. You know what? It's time to drop the price. What better series finale than, guys, it was all a dream. There never was a BMF belt. We will definitely be back when John Jones reveals he is a serial killer. <laughs> there, and he will. Don't worry. There are. I've been scrolling through episodes. It cracks me up how many John Jones arrested. John Jones added again. <laughs> John Jones serial episode from uh, basically year two. Can I hold on? Can I point this out though? I love that an emergency episode eight years ago was. Hey, John Jones got arrested. Now, if I text Kevin, hey, listen, John Jones got arrested. It's like, you know what? We'll cover it. Add it to the lineup. Yeah, we'll put it in the the B block. I would say this, though, Kevin. I I declare that BMF belt. That's a huge win for us. That's good. That that feels like a a very important part of this show. While we're talking about wins, Mm. let's uh, go ahead and would you like to... me to reveal the results i would love for you to reveal what happened well i got one two three four five six seven of the 94 fights correct which is not bad Mm -hmm. you who does put a lot more work into this (laughs) world gets four six eight ten of these correct including a pretty impressive sweep, uh, except for the Esparza loyalty, which, if you go back and listen, was pretty painful for you, <laughs> even in the moment. Uh, pretty impressive picking by you. So I will be. Uh, I assume you're. We're audibling. You're good on that. You're good yeah, on the audible yeah, format. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If like, you sent me a book, I'd be like, How "What am I supposed be? to do with it, this?" It better be signed by Matthew Perry. Thanks for the help through the hard times, Matt. <laughs> Rap. Enjoy. I want to hear every unnecessary pause in the Chandler voice of, and then I found Jennifer was in the room. And I'd be like, yo, this is great. 
can't wait. We will have to book club this, so maybe tune in. <laughs> this is for you all that are like, is there any reason to tune into your final little lament Absolutely. show where we finally get into the real riff that happened here at Verbal Tap Legal? Yeah. We'll be able to recap some of our Matthew Perry anecdotes, including him like outing people he made out with that are like, what? My husband didn't know about that, you dick. Which has happened several times. There's a big part of me, though, that uh, wants to explain the concept of a backdoor pilot. If you've ever watched a show that you really enjoy and then they add some characters and you wonder, why are they doing this? That seems weird. Are they spinning these characters off? It's called a backdoor pilot. So uh, a lot of shows have been backdoor pilot. This is pilot. a real thing because backdoor oh, yeah. pilot sounds filthy. It is. It's super. It's it like the worst title so, name you could ever come it's up like, with. That's a different thing in my world. <laughs> it's just like you would hear somebody say like, oh, yeah. I'm not sure, but was the facts of life a backdoor pilot of different strokes? Mm -mm -mm. Let's not say that. That's gross. That's really gross. Anal destroyers in the but uh, whole world. But I do thing. believe you could say uh, the Jeffersons were a backdoor pilot from Archie Bunker, aka uh, that show. God, I can't remember what the fuck it's called. Uh, family <laughs> something. Yeah, it's a '70s show, kid. Family ties. No, no, no. no. Archie Fucking, Bunker. So Archie Bunker's Place was the spinoff. Uh, All in the Family. Got it. Damn, uh, dude. Like, I was going to have to turn in my fucking game show card. Old enough. But yeah. Unfortunately, neither enough. am I, but I just happen to work in television and I can't get those things wrong. Yeah, but you have an old soul. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like you're like, Well, also, repeats happened. People don't understand internally. that. You watched repeats. That's what you did when you got home. You didn't know what the syndicated shows were. Because they were 10 years old at that point. But you said, what, what is this? And then you saw some dude who was white being racist. And people were like, he's so good at acting. And you go, mm, is he? Or, okay. And he was. Anyway. What do I have to say, Kev? So you were very nice to try and put the emphasis on my attention to detail. The amount of work that I do. Which normally true. Uh, would you like me to break some information to you? Sure. Okay, so the main concept for Over Under Kevin was that I wanted to prove that anybody could beat Kevin at this. It has been a hypothesis that has proven both false and true in many different forms. Sometimes Kevin would be on a hot streak, and that would prove that the theory seemed like it was inaccurate. For my own participation in this, I did, wait for it, zero research. Just to prove a point of you know what? I could flip a coin on this and I will still end up doing well. So, yes, while it did hurt to have to take Carla Esparza, even though the coin flip told me, you know, hey, look, dude, even luck knows Zhang Weili is going to win this. I was like, well, I'm gonna take Esparza. it sucks. Um, unfortunately, in this venture, Kevin, and I know this is the part that hurts, I did not actually do research. And I think you know how much that makes me angry to not actually You're seem competent. Well, yeah, of course. But listen, I've had to listen to you basically <laughs> go around. Just on like, a winning tour. I've been on a tour de France. You've been on a winning tour. People and you would beat fighters, legit people who have put people away in it's in not, the octagon or a cage 
you would legitimately strut around like you were fucking Mick Jagger in hour two of a Rolling Stones concert. And yet I would sit here and go, he did win. I can't take away this. So this is the one time on the show that I get to kind of do that. I and was I'm, I'm particularly drunk it. that episode. I know what you're talking about. The, <laughs> the Mick Jagger comparison is hard to deny. Because what happens is the reverse of that is you get somebody like Drew Dober. It's like, I will end you. And you go, hey, Drew, this is a joke. This is this is all in good fun. He's like, I am having fun. I go, oh, right. You're a psychopath, though. Okay. Yeah, it's not coming off as a joke to us. And he's like, oh, I'm sure it plays as a joke. I go, yes, the audiences will be very happy that we are scared shitless of you. But, uh, man, you're scary. So anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, Kevin, the unfortunate part of the show ending is that this is what the record books will reflect in the future. That is a bummer. Yeah. That I came in the way I went out. <laughs> Talking and, a tremendous amount of shit while probably losing fights on losing uh, money on hey, the fights. Hey, listen, are there studies that show that lots of fighters are losing money betting? Yes. Um, are you abating or you know making those bets happen yourself? No. So it's not your fault. You're not doing anything to harm anybody else. It was just, hey, listen, it's a good experiment, and I think we we got a lot of information out of it, and. Let's argue this. You know, other shows try to inform you about fighters. I argue we were the first fake news. Take that. Yeah. Um. How many fighters did we talk about their abs before we talked about their jabs? Ayo. <laughs> I'm so glad you had that in the pocket for the last time we're doing that. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Abs or jabs. I'd be like, dude, abs I could have used jabs, that. Abs over jabs, baby. On a fucking promo write up, you dick. <laughs> um, but anyway. I guess the nice part is, as we start to probably round on this episode, is that I hope that you guys have enjoyed these things. I have immensely jo- enjoyed Over Under Kevin. We had to simplify it a little bit because at one point Kevin goes, these things take too long. And I was like, you're right. And we apologize for some of the guests who weren't good at it. Our hope was always to make them good. And I think that sometimes Kevin and I did some heavy lifting. A lot on Kevin. They were but always think- our favorite. <laughs> But I think that Kevin, the secret of the sauce for this segment was always Kevin's really good at this. Like he's a fucking ESPN guy. Like he should be on a show telling you uh, like arguing with somebody. If we had our version of inside the NBA for fucking UFC, which they they're trying, but it's really bad. Kevin would be the person arguing with Charles Barkley and being like, why would you take that pick? You're dumb, Chuck. And, like, not in the way that Shaq does it. Well, so. Shaq's got to get over the stars. Of, what is it? You, know, you, you got to know, know, man. Everybody's you you got to try to prepare yourself. That's, that's, that's not champion, you, know? Champion. you know what I mean? <laughs> you, Chuck, you had even won the big dance. You know what I mean? The <laughs> only big Shaq Daddy Diesel. There's only one. <laughs> we should do a Shaq off. That'll be, like, a way we... <laughs> Raph and I get together once a month and do a men's only Shaq off. <laughs> uh, we invite others. It did unfortunately just get shortlisted for the next show, so we will we will be there. But I guess what we should say, as we we are here, Kev is, uh, yeah. So we're excited to do a fun last show. We're gonna take a Thanksgiving off, but today is actually the 
anniversary, the 10 years to the date that we are recording this. And what do you like? When did you remember that? Like you were thinking in your head, like, yeah, we're going to do this as a thing. Cause we said, let's see how it goes. Episode one. We recorded quite a bit and we genuinely from our uh, early days, cause you know, at the time trying to figure out how to record the damn thing was as hard as figuring out how to post the damn thing. There was uh, way fewer guides. Thanks again to Soundflower for making it difficult. There was the second and third episode as we got through them. We were like, you know what? The first one took us four hours, but the third one only took us like two. We found some quick chemistry. So it became a, a pretty damn fun project. And especially as we reach our arc of learning how to interview people. So I'd say by by three or four, I felt like we were going to be doing it for a while. Yeah. I, I distinctly remember thinking that I had to get drunk for the episode and, and drink a little bit. And the idea was, you know, let's just be loose and let's just try and be in the moment and talk about fights like real fans. Because honestly, there weren't a ton of MMA podcasts. Radio was horrible. Go yeah. back to 2011 oh, and listen to. First of all, there was no MMA coverage on the radio, really. And when you did hear it, it was bad. Yes, it was, mostly, it was pretty rough. It, it was very little about anything to do with fights and narrative and everything to do with. Is, is it boxing? Is it not boxing? <laughs> I don't know. If, if it's boxing, I get it. Boxing, not boxing. But it's so violent. That's the thing. I just don't get about the violence. So I, yep. I just don't tune in. That's what I do with Gary. What do you do on your Fridays? That was talk radio's UFC 84 update. Thanks, Seattle. So we were trying to do something not that. I think I knew it was going to work when we had the hook, which was we're going to be the late night guys. We're going to be the late night of MMA and jujitsu because at that time and things have changed a little bit, but not too much. Nobody else worked at a late night talk show. So nobody else had that in. And we knew that we could make the opening remarks seem like a monologue where we would do jokes and, and riff. And I swear to God, I still, to this day, am surprised we had guests. I do not understand there was a world that we would get guests. So for me, uh, hearing all of this, I was like, yo, let's just see that we can run this angle and we'll see if people want to fuck with us and we'll see if they like what we do. And it seemed like they did. And we've had a lot of you come and go, like, like almost every late night show. Not everybody stays Monday through Friday on every single show. Some people come back. They check Colbert two years later. They're like, Fallon's still on? Oh, I hate that guy. Oh, I love this guy. Everybody has their person in late night. Now there's so many more options. And I got to tell you, now there's like 15 fucking fighters that have notable podcasts. And it's becoming saturated in that way to the point where now even the smaller fighters are going like, yeah, let me get a podcast. So it is nice to be one of those first people to have our crack at putting a little bit of humor into the sport that at the time took itself very seriously. So I do feel good about our nice contribution that we did on our side, but I knew it was going to work when we recorded our first one. We both felt like we were making each other laugh and we were true to that concept of if we are going to interview people, some episodes, it might be like Conan Clutch Cargo, where you're talking to Bill Clinton. 
with his mouth moving and it's really me doing the impressions. And then some days it's actually going to be the actual fighter. Like, holy fuck. What are you doing here? Call us Condit. No shit. Tim Kennedy. That's weird. We had you before, you know, the brain lobotomy. The history channel. Mm-hmm. Yep. The history channel. You're welcome. That's the real phrasing. So, yeah, I, I kind of felt like that worked. So. You're welcome. Forever. <laughs> when, we, uh, when we rendezvous after the holidays, we'll have a fun little way of, of exiting this. But I definitely wanted to make sure that we broke the news fairly to you guys and explained where we're at and explained that we're still fine. So it's you'll still you. see work from us. It's not you. It's us. It really is us. And let's be real. You guys have so many other MMA dumb podcasts you can listen to now. It's kind of gross. Including the grappling hour brought to you by Ref Sparza. Jesus Christ, for the love of God. Yeah, you guys better be coming with me on this fucking journey. We're doing a lot of good shit. And just this week interviewed a mix of up and comers. And we've scheduled people who have won shit that I'm very excited to talk to. But damn, Kev, it is uh, it is very interesting and it is going to be very weird to not be doing this. But I am very happy that we go into our final episode in a couple weeks on such a a good place. I remain one of your biggest fans. I, I love you. And uh, to the audience, the nicest thing anyone can give you is their time. Thank you for giving us yours. That'll do it for us tonight. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Please note, the new number is...